Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the show that's on in the afternoon. I am very, very excited for today's show. So excited. Uh, I got to tell you, we have got, uh, we've just got a rock star in studio here with us. Um, <laughs> such an inspiring human. person. Yes. Uh, Cynthia Garris, Commissioner Cynthia Garris. Yes, sir. Yeah. Joining us here this afternoon. And I got to tell you what, she has got a heck of a story. So much of it, I didn't even know, you know, I've, I've talked to Commissioner Garris mm -hmm. uh, while she was running for the city commission this most recent time. And was so impressed by kind of her story of perseverance and success. Um, but there's so much more we don't know. Yeah. And there's so much more that so many people in St. Augustine don't know. So we're so excited to dive a little bit more into uh, our newest commissioner's uh, life and how she got to where she is. And, you know, we talked uh, about uh, Commissioner Garris on the morning show this yes, morning. Absolutely. And you mentioned the kind of em empathy that mm -hmm. she brings to the table here uh, on the city commission. And... Boy, getting to know her a little bit more really, really lets you know where that comes from. So I'm excited to really uh, dive in. Uh, no time with you guys. is wasted. And I'm That's really right. so excited to hear this story and the journey and the profile <clears throat> of the great Commissioner Garris. Yeah, man. Um, so we will uh, we will talk to her in just a couple of minutes. Yep. Very excited to get to this. Um, but before we do, uh, our friends at Nissan of St. Augustine help bring you great conversations like this each and every day. And we appreciate them. Great cars, great people, and great value. The only thing they are missing right now is you. They proudly serve motorists in St. Augustine and all of our surrounding areas. They uh, bring to the table quality new and certified pre-owned uh, Nissan cars, trucks, SUVs, vans, crossovers, electric vehicles. They got it all on the lot waiting for you to drive home and have in your driveway tonight. They want to become a staple in our community by building lasting and valuable relationships and providing service that exceeds all expectations. I know they just got uh, they just got our friend Christian Powers on the road to right. do his uh, do his big tour. Right. With the Black Crow. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. That's a big deal. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Uh, Will recognized the need there and got them hooked up, man. That was so cool. Yeah. They got a sales center that's open seven days a week until 8 p.m. for your convenience. They're Nissan of St. Augustine. We love them. And you will, too. Speaking of people we love, All-American Air. Yeah. Oh, so many of us would not survive this summer without our friends at All-American Air, man. <laughs> uh, they've been serving St. Augustine for 44 years. Uh, they do warranty and non-warranty service work on any make and model of AC unit. They do preventative maintenance service agreements. Uh, they do the equipment replacement, new construction installations. They they do it all. They can even help you with your appliances. Really? Yeah, man. If the garbage disposal's broken, huh. call Matthew. That's great. Oven's messed up. Not heating. Not heating it up. Don't mess around with it at home. That's right. Call Matthew. Uh, that number, 904-461-0070, uh, All American Air. Great company. Family business here in St. Augustine for a very long time. Ooh, and our friends at Amara ah, Med Spa. If you are craving the perfect blend of relaxation and rejuvenation, Amara ah, Med Spa is your answer. From luxurious spa treatments to advanced medical aesthetics, Amara ah, Med Spa will personalize a plan just for you. Enhance your natural beauty with things like Botox, dermal fillers, or laser treatments, and a whole lot more. Experience top-notch care in their state-of-the-art, brand-new, squeaky-clean facility. Feel refreshed and revitalized that Ah, Mara Med Spa, 2100 A1A South, Suite 2. You can book your appointment online at theamaramedspa.com. All right, man. Yeah. Um, great show here for you today. Uh, welcoming to our program this afternoon, Commissioner Cynthia Garris. Uh, Commissioner, how are you? Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. First of all, I want to thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, I've always seen this. I came on one time with um, the gentleman that does the Christian show. Yes, oh, yeah. Rick. Yes. yes, I came on one time with him and spoke briefly. Um, we talked a little bit about religion and my faith. Mm -hmm. And so it's great to just be able to talk about so people can know a little bit about me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're excited to introduce people to you. Uh, our newest addition to the St. Augustine City Commission and working at the city of St. Augustine, not something that's new for you, but we'll we'll get there. Okay. Um, I want to start uh, kind of... Uh, on some of the topics we were talking about before the cameras came on. Um, have you grown up in St. Augustine? You lived here? I was born in St. Augustine. Okay. Um, my parents and my grandparents, all of them are natives. And then I, when I was two, my parents moved to Rhode Island. 
Okay. And um, I was raised basically, I kind of been half and half, half Rhode Island, half um, Florida. Right now, I did the math one day just to see who's winning. And Florida's winning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank We're you. happy about that. <laughs> Florida's winning. I've lived more of my life in Florida because I moved back here. I did do some high school and I my first school was Webster. Okay. Great. I went to Webster and I, Mrs. Halyard was my teacher. And she was so beautiful. I remember thinking when I was a child, oh, I want to be a teacher because she was mm. so amazing. Um, that got, that didn't last. No. <laughs> I want to be a teacher because kids are a little different today. Uh, okay. um, it's a little bit more work. And I just figured that I would put all those teaching skills into my own children when I was blessed to have some. Okay. And so I went to Rhode Island and I went on to school there. And then in my... um Junior year of high school, I came back to St. Augustine. Um, I had a son by that time, and I went to uh, St. Augustine High, and I finished. Um, I went there with class of 78, and then at the end of that, I went back to Rhode Island so all my family didn't have to come to graduation to Florida, mm. and I graduated from Rogers High School oh, up wow, that okay. way. Um I have always been a person that thrived for education. Um, like I said, I had a son early, first time I got with a boy. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, some of us know how that is. And, yeah, um, yeah, a lot of people do. I yes, mean, that's not unusual and, um, these days. You said you were, what, 15? Yes, you know, I was very 15 young when I had wow. my first child. It's, the sad thing about that, you get labeled as that type of person, and you're not that type of person. You were just naive mm. um, and not really recognizing the repercussions of that. Sure. I have never, ever regretted my son because he has brought me so much joy. Mm. He um, And then I was blessed to have more children, two more children, and I got a bonus son when I married my husband, Peter. Awesome. Um, my husband was funny. Um, he's passed away 10 years ago. When we would go places, um, because I have ran for office a couple of other times, he, they would ask what my job was, and I was working at the courthouse and just doing different things. He would always say, she's a politician. And hmm. How I would, did you like that label? Yeah. And I would say, why, you don't, why can't I just tell him what I do? And he says, no, I just want to shut them down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you <laughs> go. Nice like, move. Whatever. And he drove a school bus, and he had my picture blasted all on there, my signs and stuff from back when I ran for clerk of court in 2000. And I ran then because... Um, 46 employees had resigned or they had retired out because they didn't like, um, this is after Carl Bud Marco had left the clerk's office. And mm. so they would, we had this little program. It was kind of like I would give parties for the people when they would leave. So they would tell um, personnel one thing and then they tell me the truth while they were leaving. They didn't feel valued. So I ran um, mm. back then. And I got 27,000 some odd votes, um, and I was a no-name person. I mean, was nobody, that your first? My first journey of, wow. um, of running around this county. That's I really learned what um, countywide running is. It's a lot of work. I have always been a person that cared about politics mm. um, because of my race of people that we couldn't have the right to vote for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 18, I walked into the elections office in Rhode Island and registered to vote. And I don't care what's on the ballot. If it's picking the color orange or yellow, I'm going to vote. You want to be part um, of the process. Because... Um, Voting is important. It's how we get our power, you know, for your elected officials. And so I have taken the course on doing that. Um, the next time I ran for office was in 2002. I ran for the seat that I now hold. Um, everybody wanted me to run for clerk of court again. And I told them that I was going to go for a sure thing. And the sure thing was seeking my education. My children were grown and I wanted to, I had to postpone um, pursuing my degree um, at Salve Regina College um, up in Rhode Island. And that's a private college. It's ran by nuns and things and mm. um, a religious corridor because I have always had a great spirit as far as guiding me to make the right decisions. Um, I always try to leave people better than I find them. I always strive to be a good person. And so um, I was going to school, taking care of children, really didn't have ample time to study. And just based on my conception to learn, I would pass things, but I could have did better if I had the study time. And so um, I 
drew, withdrew from school and because I didn't want to fail at motherhood. Motherhood is Ooh. very important, um, being there for your children. I know a lot of women out there can identify with me as far as, you know, they got to work, they want to go to school, they want to do a lot of things, and they're not able to balance it all, you know? And if they don't have a strong structure, like a good husband or good grandparents, then they can't. Especially with kids in the equation, right? Yes, I mean, th that just adds so much to the yeah, plate. Yeah, and my mom was a mom early, a grandmother early. She, My mom was a grandmother at 34. Mm -hmm. So she didn't want to babysit and stuff. She said she babysit if you were sick or you were going to school. But she just was going to live her life too. And you can't begrudge that because um, that's her course and that's her journey. Was that traumatic for you? Um, it was... It was a little difficult to, but I just took ownership. I didn't yeah. want my kids to call anybody else mom but me. Right. Yeah. And I know so mm. many people live with their moms and the kids are confused who their mother is yeah. because the, the parent is calling the mom mom. So they start calling her mom too. Kids hear what you say and that's how they address people. I think the that nuns with that situation. Mm. The nuns were good um, as far as they really had like religious teachers and things of that nature. I had rough nuns in, ca in Catholic school. Like they smacked my hand if my cursive was bad. So like I can imagine you, were, you probably had to go through something with it. Well, I actually had a job at this place called Corpus Christi's and those nuns were brutal. Yeah, okay? that's who does a <laughs> I was like, ah. um, that was one of my first jobs. We didn't like that job. They actually had one... Uh, girl that one of my friends scrubbing the benches with a toothbrush yeah because they my got department. in trouble yeah i was very and good. then yeah. they Ooh. had us doing this stupid stuff where we would take off the bedding and i go put new bedding on it and open up a window and no they wanted us to run downstairs and take it clothesline and beat the yeah. dust off of it and then go back and make the bed with the same linen the fresh air yeah so some of us got smart and just opened the window and just shut the <laughs> <laughs> See, that's innovation. work that's smarter not harder yes. right <laughs> no like, you got all those rooms done already He's like yeah go touch it and they would they'd go hit the bed and see and they would come around with uh, white gloves and stuff like that that was funny and the second um, I was glad to leave that job. The next job <laughs> I had, we had to go around and clean houses um, for the government. So people moving in that were military, because Newport is a Navy town and yeah. a lot of military people would come in there. And so we'd have to clean houses and stuff. And I remember going and talking to the guy about um, getting this job. And he says, well, um, do you have any questions? And I said, I had heard my parents talking one time that they've had all these jobs and then none of the jobs had a retirement and they really needed to have a retirement. And, you know, some things um, click into my brain when they're valuable information. It just registers. It just becomes part of my fabric. Mm -hmm. And so I walked in there and I said, um, I want to know about your retirement plan. And the guy says, you're 50, 14 years old. <laughs> and I, he, he, you know, he thought it was a joke. And I said, it's, it's never too early to learn about my future right true and he was like wow this chick is serious <laughs> and so he said i don't think you have to worry about that quite right now but um i'm glad you have that insight and i did i always worried about my future you can't just concentrate on now you got to look at later and i'm glad i'm that way because i didn't expect my husband to die um, early. Mm -hmm. So once he passed away 10 years ago, then I started creating a format on how I could survive income wise after he passed away. But you yeah. had already built that foundation, it sounds yes. like. Yes. You know. I worked at the courthouse and I ran, when I ran for the clerk of court, I did make sure I got vested so that I would get a retirement from the courthouse. I did, um, work for the city as long as I needed to be, um, vested so that I would secure that. So I've always been a mindful person, a strategic person as to what is best for me. And it worked because my children are very successful. Um, you know, people say, oh, your kids should send you this. And my kids, my sons um, flew me to Germany, to Austria um, to, hey. to get married. And um, my daughter just flew me up to Boston so because um, I had to go to a wedding of my nieces. And when I checked the flights, because it was going into EWI, which is not as busy, it's kind of like on the outskirts of Newark and, and New York. And flying from Jacksonville there, they said I would leave at 7 at night. 
and get there seven the next morning. I said, absolutely not. I'll just send her a check. I'm not going to go through all that just to get there. I'm right, being right, right. wore out. And she says, no, I'm going to fly you to Boston. You can hang out with me and my, her and my granddaughter. And then you and I will fly into New York on a straight flight. So special. Mm. Yeah. And she said, and then, um, yeah. And so she did that for me for my birthday. And then she said, all you got to do is get your flight home. And I was fortunate to get a flight home that was straight through. So um, I have amazing children. Um, my son came here. My son, George, um, we talked a little bit about him, my entrepreneur. He um, came here and gave me a retirement party at the Casa Monica. They all came. They all came from different areas. And they all came when I got sworn in um, for um, the city commission. Wow. I have, um, when I started my journey with the city, because I know a lot of people are curious about that. Yeah, you've been with the city actually a while. Yeah, I worked with the city for... um, 13 years. Um, and prior to the city, I was a, a financial advisor at the University of Phoenix. And I helped over 400 and something students acquire the income to pay for their classes and monitor their accounts, whether it was financial aid, direct billing, um, corporate billing, things of that nature so that they would be successful. Now, I, I'm hearing a theme here of how important education Yes, education is really key because you got to think about it. There's always going to be somebody that's better than you, um, but it's what you put into your efforts to explaining who you are in your journey. Leveraging your talents. Yes, um, that makes you be the one that they're selected. And so I always... I really realized how important it was. My mom, she got pregnant early, like I said, and she didn't finish school right away. And actually, my parents had four children, and I was the first one to graduate. Mm. I was Mm. the first one to complete college. Was that important? Was that an important milestone for you? It was important that I wanted to take away me having my son young stop me, hindered me. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to take that away from people saying, oh, I knew, you know, once she had those kids, she wasn't going to do this and do that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to let that be a crutch or an excuse. Yeah. And you always told your kids you were going to go back to college. I always told them and they thought, wow. And so in 2006, um, we all got our masters and um, they were so excited. Somebody was graduating and it was amazing. That had to be a a huge, amazing feeling. That was huge. And that was something that we smile about all the time. The only down thing about that is I was at a crossroad when I had, when I mentioned the university of Phoenix, Um, I did very well with the students when they decided to go after bad debt. So what that meant was they wanted to us to start playing instead of helping people that were in school go after the people that dropped out. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I didn't like that. I didn't like being collection. Somebody likes getting a call about a bill and you can't afford yeah. to pay it. Yeah. And so um, I would call, I, call, I got $10,000 in one day from bad debt. And then they just wanted me, it just seemed like they were pressuring me more and more to do that because I gave people compassion when I called them. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, you went to school and for some reason you had to drop out. Maybe it was financial, maybe it was this or that. However, if you have that goal once, you might have it again. So let's clear up this bad debt. And that way you can come back without any hindrance. There's nothing going to stop you. Mm. when you're ready. And they was like, you're right. And I said, you know, show good faith because I don't want you to go to collections because that's the next thing that's going to happen. And they was like, okay, okay, Cynthia. And they would give, they would pay something and they give me their credit card or whatever and they would do it or they come into the campus and they give me a check and they just couldn't believe it. And they were like, she's, you know, they started listening on my calls. See, I talked to the students and I thought, this is really not what I signed up for. And so I left there and, um, but I love that even as a debt collector, you're trying to encourage people, Hey, this isn't over. You yeah. can still do you this. Know, you somebody can still calls you and says, you better pay this. What are you going to do? Hang up? Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And try to block their number from ever right. calling you again. Right. And so I think that when you said that I have empathy, I do have empathy because I, you have to step out of yourself sometime and step in somebody else's shoes. Mm-hmm. And um, I do that a lot. 
I, I try to fill, my spirit fills people and I'm blessed to have a discernment that I can tell when somebody's good and when somebody's cray cray, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. you know, and I can, I can feel danger. I could go um, in a place and feel like I don't feel good in here and I would leave. Um, a lot of people don't listen to that. Yeah. Right. And then they stay and then all of a sudden they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And so um, I've been blessed with that. Um, and it's, it's a gift. And I just utilize that. I have, it was so funny. Me and my husband used to go out a little bit and I would say, um, I'm leaving because I would go out before him and he'd mm -hmm. come and he's like, why are you leaving? I said, I'll see you at home. And he said, as soon as you walked out the door, a fight broke out. <laughs> but yeah. I felt it coming. Um, I've always had that. It's been a blessing to be that way. And so it kind of guides me. If I feel uneasy, then it's time to move. But you've, mm. you've overcome a lot of obstacles in life. I'm listening to this story. I mean, um, death was something that I've experienced too. And I think that that is a big learning lesson in life. Yes. How did you overcome your faith over fear? You know what I mean? Like, how did you continue to go? I've seen a lot of people that just kind of give up after losing a spouse. Yes. You actually put your face in the fire and said, I'm going through this together as a family. And we're going to, we're going to bust, but we're going to get our masters together. Yes. Where was that? Where was that pivotal change for you? Well, before I lost my, um, spouse i had lost two siblings mm. unfortunately um i it felt like almost like a curse on my family um my dad's mom died before she turned 50 my dad's sisters died before they turned 50 my brothers died before they turned 50 um the ironic thing is um me and my husband got in a car accident the day before i turned 50 oh and my when i just got um, chills yeah, and the ironic thing was that God prepared me for that accident. Um, we were going to Miami because I wanted to go to Miami and shop and eat some good seafood and um, some Jamaican food down there. And we were traveling on 95 and it was it started raining and he didn't like to wear a seatbelt. I said, look, you need to put that seatbelt on. It's raining and, and, you know, I don't want to hear if you feel trapped and all that stuff. So anyway, he put a seatbelt on and was, we were riding, there was a gust of water that got under our vehicle and it threw us to the right it just did like a zigzag across mm. 95 and the next thing he says what's going and before he i could answer him we were on the media and i went to open the door and god said no and then we started flipping wow. and um there was people he had even god had even told me what to wear that morning i had on like some little capris and a tank top and he told me change clothes yeah and mm. i was like mm. and so like you need clothes and shoes put on jeans and then there was this shirt you know how you buy a t-shirt and it's um we wash it and it shrinks yeah yeah and you think oh, i'm not gonna wear that again because it's too tight now and he said put that on i'm thinking eh, i don't want to put that on you know i was yeah. fussing with my spirit and um i put it on anyway and it was like you need a jacket and so i go to the closet and these little cute crop jackets were in at that point and i went to grab one of those and he's like no and then i reached and grabbed my leather coat and i'm thinking to myself i wanted to argue with myself that i'm going to miami right <laughs> Doing this. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it all made sense afterwards. Um, mm. So when we flipped and everything, my foot got stuck. So if I had on the sandals, then my foot, I would have broke my foot. Okay. Um, we, my husband's truck had a sunroof and all the glass shattered down on us. And so my legs would have been cut up. So the jeans prevented me from getting any abrasions. Um, the, all the objects in the back seat, cause it was a four door flew over us. So it was good that I didn't have on a loose shirt because a lot of that would have hit me. Mm -hmm. Um, my umbrella and the jacket flew over and landed right on the dash, even though we were flipped upside down. And it was raining and it was cold rain and all these people were out there. It, this was definitely an accident that God was involved in. They were all out there in those yellow rain jackets they had on the jackets and the pants. They were all lined up. And I was just waiting for the truck to explode when we had flipped over because the console had came between me and my husband and I couldn't see him. And I only thing I thought was I almost made it to 50 was in my spirit. And then my husband said, Sent, Sent. 
And then I snapped out of it because I was waiting for the truck to blow up at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I said, yeah. And he said, thank God you're alive because he couldn't see me. And then the people came and they said to hold tight. They wanted to know if there was anybody in the back seat, if they should try to get them out because they knew how bad the back seat had gotten at that point. Because the truck went down like in a V. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so um, they said, hold on for a second. So I gave the guy my umbrella and my coat. And when I got out, my neck was a little jacked up. And uh, my husband, I told him to change clothes, but he always wore boots or sneakers, but he wanted to wear those old men's bedroom slippers that day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So his foot got messed up from the accident because he didn't have the support that he normally has. Mm. And he wore shorts when I told him, you need to put on pants. And he's like, I don't want to. I want to be comfortable. So his he did get some cuts from the... um, from that, but he didn't get seriously hurt besides his feet started really cramping because we're out there in that wet grass. Right, yeah. And they was just absorbing all that water and right. so forth. It was like 19000 it was $18,000 worth of damage and he owed nineteen. Do you know they wouldn't total that truck out for that little grant? What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> what? That makes yeah. no sense to me. I know. They was like, well, he owes, you know, more, so we'll just fix it. And it never ran the same after that. Of course. That, you know? Of course. And so, yeah. So anyway, they got us out and got us safe. And um, I thank God for that. Because sometimes you, you get to a crossroad um, and you start thinking, you stop appreciating each other as much. Mm. It gave us like a rebirth of our relationship that mm. we don't take each other for granted. And wow. the ironic thing was we rented a car because we couldn't drive the car, of course. And um, I got in the police car because it was raining. He was kind of, um, my husband was losing. And anytime he got upset, he would stutter and he was like just overwhelmed and the cop was in there writing up the report. He was talking on his thing and he says, um, he was blaming my husband for the accident. And I said, excuse me, you um, are wrong. I said, a gust of rain got under us. He was saying my husband had bad tires. And I said, no, because before we went, my husband bought a tire and they checked all the other tires and said our vehicle was safe to make the trip. So you're given incorrect information. And look, if they can sell you more tires, they will try to sell yeah, you more tires. And he's right? right. And he said, no, <laughs> you just have one bad tire that I think you should change before you take that trip. And he did. And so he says, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. So he erased it and went back to say the truth. Um, and so I was like, that's why God didn't want me to go to the hospital because he knew the insurance company probably wouldn't have paid if they said he was driving. Right, right. In that weather like that and Absolutely. bad tires. So, um, you know, I've always been able to... Um, Look at the situation, analyze it, and think of the best outcome. Honest the light. Yeah. And so, um, but anyway, my journey started in the parking garage. My uncle was working there at the time. He worked at, he was a maintenance person um, for the VIC. And he told me about a job. I had just left the University of Phoenix and I was just chilling, collecting unemployment, you know, for a minute, you know, which I never get the luxury of doing like a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, he told me about this job and I was like, yeah, and he's like, you know, it pays decent, this and that. So I interviewed for it and they didn't give it to me at first. They gave it to someone else, um, an older lady. And then when she went back to her um apartment complex and told him she had a job they told her that she had to move because she made too much money now she had too much money so she went back and quit and I was the second person on the list so they called me and I got the job and you accepted it did you ever have a pushback because somebody else got it before you or I didn't really care about that um it was kind of funny I thought I was I was at the end of the road from my unemployment anyway Uh Um, and then right after I took the job they said oh we're gonna give you extension (laughs) It was a part-time job and um, it was really pretty easy. That's when the parking garage charged like $1.25 an hour. Oh, miss the, those days. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then, <laughs> that means if you went in there for just an hour, that's all you paid. And yeah. so, and then we would have the $7 on entry days. Um, we were in a booth. Um, I brought a little DVD player um, for downtime and watch a movie and paused it. And I always... I try to worry about my appearance because my grandfather always instilled us. You got to always look amazing. Um, always. Always to, yeah. um, 
And so um, they would say, oh, you don't look like you need to be here. People would make comments and things and I would thank them and tell them to have a great time and so forth. And um, there was a guy, Bill Butterfuco, that worked in the parking garage. He had worked there for 16 years and he suggested that I leave the parking garage and um, get something full time. Well, I had a husband then, so I was thinking, I don't really need to do that, but um, mm -hmm. thank you for that tip. And then I realized that time is value, and I do need to seek a retirement, so I need to push for that. So I applied for um, five jobs. Um, all with the city? Was there, All was with the, the city. Okay. Um, when I was in a parking garage, and... Um, they um, they would say they got somebody already or I was overqualified because I had my master's and stuff. I would put that on there. Mm. And then I was like, oh, why, is, why is having a master's a bad thing now? <laughs> and so um, I had my resume because um, I had some great jobs in my lifetime. I was a missiles control clerk and worked for a Naval Underwater System Center with a secret clearance and all kind of things. I had some amazing jobs. I was a special service caseworker dealing with um, the homeless and things up north. And um, I had some really good jobs. So anyway, they had my resume and they would question me about some of the jobs and I would give them feedback. And then I heard a, um, my coworker talking with her mother, saying that that would be a good job for her. And I said, well, what job is it? Um, and it was a custodian position. And mm. I thought, hmm. And I used to work at the Marriott. Um, and I was over, I was like a linen room attendant, assigning the housekeepers um, cleaning and stuff. And sometimes mm. when we were short, I'd go up and help them just get the rooms done. And I said, hmm. So I went back to my booth and I had a conversation with God. Um, God, do you want me to humble myself to rise again? And my spirit, it came back to my spirit. God said, move if the job makes over $25,000. So I called a friend um, that worked in the parking garage because he would go downtown and move around. And I said, listen, the job was closing that next morning and I didn't get off to six. And of course, downtown closed at five. Mm -hmm. I said, I need you to go downtown. I need you to get me a transfer form and I need you to get me a job description. Um, for this custodian position. And he looked and I said, just go and do it. Because I, I was like, you got too much going on to do that. Why don't you just sit in this booth and do nothing? And I'm thinking, look, just go down there and get it. And so he went down there. He came back. As soon as he got it, I didn't read the description of the job. I just flipped to the last page and the job paid $25,100. And I said, God said, move. Look at that. So I moved. And that next morning, um, there was a delightful lady named Miss Diane that worked in there and I didn't put nothing down about my degrees, nothing. And I turned in the paperwork to her and she was fussing, no, that I don't need to do this. And I said, yeah, I do. I said, can you just submit the paperwork? And she said, okay. So I got interviewed by a gentleman named Charlie Hill who just recently passed away. Um, he was really nice, him and Mark Harrington. And he asked me a lot of questions and about why would I want this job? And I said, well, you know, I told him that I believe in a clean work environment and um, even working in the parking garage because when I had downtime, when they said you could take a break for 10 minutes or whatever, I would utilize that time to go and pick up the trash because they, the person that did it was out sick. Her name was Kathy Ray at the time. So I would get a bag and a picker and I would see her going out and just picking up the trash. I couldn't, of course, do it for the whole parking garage, but I would do it for the first floor because you got to look at it. I'm taking your money to come into this parking garage. And when you look to go find a space, it needs to be clean. Yeah, pride right in your job. Yes. And so it wasn't my, uh, my responsibility to do that. And I told him that I did that. He was like, what? And I was like, yeah, you know, I, if I had a longer break, I would have probably went up to another floor or whatever, but I didn't. So I just, it was exercise and it was keeping the environment clean. And he's like, wow. And I said, and also I don't mind taking this job because I'm not too cute to clean a toilet. I do mine every day for free. <laughs> and, yes. and he laughed and hired me right after I said that. And so he told me the things and I said, I have one um, condition. And he says, what is that? And I said, um, I don't work on Sunday. That's God's day. And mm. I need to go and worship. 
that day. And so um, he said, well, I'm not going to argue with that because I'm not going outside and getting struck by lightning. <laughs> so he um, hired me and um, I work with Mark and um, I did that job for probably um, that full time began um, in 2009, and I did that job for about a year and something. Um, and I used to go in and talk to Charlie because I thanked him for that window. That was my sixth job, with um, my sixth try getting a position. And so it happened then. And I believe in numbers and completion. The seventh job that I had was Charlie's job. That's how God brought me full circle. Mm. I ended up with his job, and that's the job that I retired from. Um, I was the facilities coordinator responsible for our city structures, our city parks, our city buildings, and um, monuments, et cetera, as far as the maintenance of them. And I had an excellent team, my facilities operations. I think they changed the demographics of what they're called now, but I had a great team of guys that would go out. I would do a, they would call me with a work order and I would send them out to go and complete those work tasks. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a great relationship. They were kind of funny because, you know, they had, it was all guy team. Of course. And um, I let them know I'm not the one. Don't come for me. (laughs) (laughs) Right away. And they, I was like, okay, she ain't playing. You know, and I called them and then they act like, well, I'm not going to do that. I said, well, I had a great boss, Tim Shields. And I said, well, uh, you can either listen or I'll have Tim call you back. And they said, um, okay, where do I need to go? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. once I formed that, that I wasn't a pushover, they respected me. And um, yeah, we ended up forming. They were really excited when I ran. And um, so, um, but when I did consider the custodian position, I called my children and mm-hmm. I said, you know, we all got our masters in 06. I said, will it humiliate you that I'm taking a custodian position? And mm-hmm. they said, do what you got to do, mom. We we totally understand. And so um, God rose me up and the, the, put the icing on the cake about getting that facilities coordinator position. That was seven. That's the number of completions. So I never applied for anything else within the city. The other jobs oh. came up and I loved my work team. We were, we became a family. We got it done. Um, we got the 450th done, getting them bedding, um, all those buntings and ordering all kind of stuff to make the city fantastic during that era of time. And some of the guys even created the Mumfords, uh, you know, the banisters, the heads mm-hmm. that put them on city hall. I mean, we got really creative and really contributed a lot more to the city than the city even realizes and it's only like about eight guys that take care of all the city structures can you imagine Um, and what we can't do we call a contractor to do but we still have to oversee what the contractor is doing to make sure it's done correctly yeah preserve integrity yeah yes and so um, we're very fortunate with that window of time so I you can't sugarcoat anything to me because I seen the structure inside the city Mm. um Working for the city is kind of like you're riding down the street and you see this beautiful house and you think, oh, wow, I want to live there someday. Until you live there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, so you see, see what's all in the walls the and yeah. that um, could be better and that need to be better. And so I really was just going to retire and let my kids spawn me and send for me to come. And just, <laughs> that doesn't sound bad. Yeah. I was just going to chill out. And a female friend of mine came to me. Um, this was after the Joy Floyd situation mm-hmm. and said that people have been asking for you and um, they've been asking you, asking why. Why haven't you ran again? And, um, you know, I had worked on some campaigns behind the scenes because I learned what worked and what didn't work. And um, they were successful, the ones that I worked on. Um, a lot of people called in that were running for different things, like the judge um, that won the female, the first female black judge that we got. She called and the conference called Zoom and I told her what I thought would work and different other people that called in. I had to call, talk to some uh, former city uh, um, commissioners um, and gave them some suggestions on how I think that they can reconnect. Because sometimes people get complacent. They just think they're automatically going to stay in office. But mm-hmm. you got to have different strategies to win different races. Because you never know how much your opponent's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, how they're going to, like, um, 
they might have some new tricks and things, but it's a chess game, right? You kind of got to think, uh, think ahead two, yeah, three moves you ahead. Think ahead and maneuver what works for you. Um, that's why when I ran, um, I got my signs out early. I wanted them to be, yeah, a new direction, a new direction. A lot of people don't know what that meant. And it was because I had worked in the city and I knew that we needed to do things different and new. Right. And we needed to um, have some compassion. Sometimes people get in a position um, and they have it for a while and they don't... They, they're not the same. I'll give you an example. When my husband died, he was in a hospital and he was in ICU. He went in that day at 5.30 um, in the afternoon and he was dead by 9.30 the next morning. He went in, he was having a heart attack. He called me and said, said I'm not going to be home in time to walk the dog. Um, I'm at the hospital. I'm like, why? And he said, um, I think I'm having a heart attack. Well, you know, sometimes men can be dramatic. So I of thought course. he's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> he's so dramatic. And he said, I, he said angina, right? yeah, 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 I said gas, friend. you know, and I went a couple of times thinking I was, and it was like, oh, you got pleurisy and this yeah. and that. So I'm thinking he's dealing with some of that. And so he, he said, the nurse just came in. I'll call you back. So he calls back and the nurse says, uh, yeah, he's having a heart attack. And I was like, what? And she says, we're just going to put a stent in. He'll be fine. Well, that didn't happen. He wasn't fine. And then I get to the hospital and I asked him not to leave me. And he said he wasn't. And he was struggling, trying to stay. And um, he coded. And he told me once that he was in the hospital that really weird things happen in the middle of the night when your family and people are not visiting. The nurses don't have any compassion. Yeah. Mm. And that he had coded. He about died. And I thought, really? This was a different time. So I asked, could I stay? And they said, yeah. And his the nurse that he had was wicked. Um, and... When you don't have compassion anymore, right. you really need to just go bye-bye. Right. If you don't love your job, then don't do You know, do he was yeah. saying that he was thirsty, and she snapped at him and said, I gave you some ice chips a few minutes ago. You're fine. Wow. And I'm thinking, and so he, um, I give great massages, and but he never wanted any. It's a joke my mom says. He's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and so... Um, he asked me to rub his back and I'm thinking, oh, okay. So I put my hand under his back to try to rub it and the machine just went beep and she started screaming at me that you got to get out of here. And nothing happened. He didn't pull a wire out or anything. She was just really nasty. Mm. And um, I was like, oh my, you know, um, she had no compassion. And when people get to that point, whether they need that income or not, they really need to go away so that somebody that has compassion for patients, they're not another number, they need to go bye-bye. So a new nurse can come in that has the patience and the understanding for the family as well as the patient. And, um, but God, again, always sends a helpmate. Um, when she got off, um, when she went bye-bye and went home, um, God sent a nurse named Faith. And, mm. and as soon as I heard her say, I'm Faith, I knew the atmosphere was going to shift. And it did, but so much had happened. He had coded twice at that point. They finally decided to take him downstairs and um, run some tests to find out what was happening. So they had to keep giving, they kept giving him blood transfusions and that's why they couldn't put the stent in. And um, they finally realized that the blood they were giving him was clotting up oh, instead gosh. of it filtering through his body. And so um, they came back up and they said that um, they didn't understand why, because he had been on blood thinners and he went to um, the doctor's office and they told him, oh, just stop taking them, which was bad advice. Um, he went to like a, a walk-in clinic and they said, well, don't take them. What they should have told him is to go back to your doctor and get a different blood thinner. Yeah. Mm. And um, anyhow, he, um, so Faith got a hold of my pastor, the late Reverend Stafford. And I had been, I had went to Toastmasters years ago because I always spoke to like a, a lot of things because I was always a family member that was selected for funeral, whatever. Sent, let's undo it. And I always felt like butterflies got in my throat and I didn't sound good, but everybody said, you sound amazing. And I'm thinking, no. And so that built up my confidence. And that was way back when I worked at the courthouse back in the um, 90s. And the ironic thing was 
This man walks in. They said, we're going to call the the chaplain for the hospital. And I was like, okay. And this man walks in and he was my friend David from Toastmasters. And, you know, we, we both have aged and I looked at him, his voice I recognized because we gave speeches and he said, Cynthia. And I said, David. <laughs> and he prayed over my husband and then Reverend Stafford came and then he prayed over my husband. And, um, I told my husband he could go. And he passed. Mm. They took the all the life support stuff off of him. And I told him he could go. And I told the people that they could go. And I was going to stay till he took his last breath. And after I sung to him and told him that he could go, um, he passed away. Yeah. Because mm. he was going to try to hang in there. And so. You still see signs every day, though, don't you? I do. I see signs every day. Because. You know, we really take things for granted. Just imagine if God said, whatever you pray for, that's what I'm going to bless you with. And so um, I ask God to give me eyes that are more transparent, that I see more than just like the road. I see the grass growing around the curb. I see a flower out of, a, you know, growing out of a curb or just different things that I wake up and I thank them for sight because we never, we take that for granted Absolutely. that we can see. Yeah. We take hearing for granted. We take touching, tasting, all of that. And I know some people that had came down with COVID and now they can't taste food. Um, we take so much stuff for granted. And I think that we need to really um, love where we're at as people. I think we need to be a little kinder. Um, I went to um, a poetry reading um, because I had went um, when I was campaigning, I went one day and they said, well, as long as you sign in, you can be part of this. And I became friends with um, Chris Boulder that really keeps yeah, that going sure. here. And um I wrote a poem while I was sitting in church because <laughs> I was like, you know, there's always something in church that takes you away from getting your attention. And <laughs> I knew I was going to the poetry thing. And I said, well, I just don't want to hear people. I want to add to it because um, I just think that uh, it's important to to learn and to know to share your gifts. And I shared with him when I was leaving that um, I had a dream once. And he said, you need to write a poem about that. And I said, okay, I will. And I told him I had a dream once that I had went to heaven and the angel was showing me all the places and it's amazing just like we're told and she was showing me all these rooms and they were so well decorated and she bypassed the room at the end and said that concludes our tour and she went past the room and I you know curiosity is like okay what's in that room we didn't go in that room I don't think we went in that room she said would you like to see what's in that room and I said yeah and so she opened the door and we went into the room and there was these beautiful presents everywhere. And I was like in awe because I really like fancy wrapping presents. I like to do yeah. baskets and all kinds of things. And I was like, this is so amazing. And she, I said, who are all these presents for? And she said, those were all the gifts that God gave you that you didn't use. And I said, what? So therefore, I decided when I woke up that I, every gift that God has blessed me to have, I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. I don't want there to be a room, right. a presence that yeah. I didn't open. Yeah. And so I will definitely use all my gifts, my ability to speak, my mind with God's guidance. The I'm just a vessel moving through this life and God is guiding me on through this journey, through my children, through um, the commission, through my church, through um, helping address the homeless. I interviewed the homeless when I ran for office because I want everybody that's out there, it's not out there because of mental health. Some people are out there, they're two paychecks. A lot of people are two paychecks away from being homeless. And hearing a lot of those people speaking that were saying they pay $2,000 a month for rent. Yeah. Right. That's just right. rent. Yes. 
Okay. They don't even know that, that. Don't, that doesn't have nothing to do with lights and food mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. water. Right. That's just their rent. Right. And they're not making making money here in St. Augustine. You right. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, wow, you know, that hits different. That people are really struggling just to stay here and stay relevant in St. Augustine. And it's our job as a commission, city and county, um, to make life better. And I actually have reached out to our county um, commissioners because I get tired of hearing that's a county problem and we can't fix it. I um, wanted a crosswalk um, to go in front of Shiloh Church Mm -hmm. because people have been having the churches on one side of the street and across the parking lots on the other side. And people fly down that hill on West King Street because they're trying to make sure that somebody doesn't come out on South Whitney. And so they're like geared up like they're in a race. And um, you're going faster anyway because you're coming downhill, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of whether you step on the gas too. And um, I started with Christian Whitehurst, the chairperson, and I had him come out and talk about, you know, a crosswalk there and some sidewalks because I know that the county gives money to the school board, et cetera. And then I wanted um, sidewalks, safer neighborhoods and so forth. And he, he entertained me and took the meeting. And that was the end of that. And then I talked to Howard Dean and he just wanted me to know all the people um, that I had spoken to so he could go back and, you know, revisit mm-hmm. what's, what's happening. Are they working on it? But he had had a few health issues, so I didn't really push that envelope. Um, I know that Sarah Arnold has been really helpful on the West Side. And so I talked to um, a gentleman named Philip who introduced me that way. I didn't want to go through the CRA from the West Side because it was really a city thing. It's the city west side. And so um, I met with her on Juneteenth um, at my property. We have property next to Shiloh, um, mm-hmm. some family-owned property. I met her there, and she had witness from waiting. She got there a few minutes before me. The car is flying down the street, and I told her how we needed a crosswalk um, so these people could feel safer crossing the street going to church that people would actually stand out the men would stand out the road to let the women and the children risk in their lives to stop them from going and she told me she, we had a meeting her and um, her public works person supervisor and I told them that we need this crosswalk we the city could not just put the crosswalk there because that's a county owned road and okay. that's why I had to involve them because I would have just been like hey we need this crosswalk and they would put it out there we had to get a permit from the county in order to put that crosswalk there to go the correct legal way and so I had a meeting with her and she was delightful and I told her you know I get on my soapbox sometimes and I asked her to help us make the community better and I think that sometimes when you need something from the city you should be able to call me and I should be able to navigate through that happening for you and vice versa and she agreed and um I had just um motioned to give some land that's in front of the Flagler place to the city that we couldn't do anything with um right that little bit of wooded area they wanted to create a park there on the west side and they don't have enough parks out there so um they we kind of go through all this red tape and this and that but anyway sarah um listened and she told the you know her the guy to get that going check into it and so forth well they wanted to count and the count um to make sure it was valid because they have to make sure that everybody doesn't run to them that just wants to crosswalk um and they did a count with the church and everything and we superseded the numbers and um I thanked her for that and I went to the church and I spoke and told them it all started with their pastor that's there Elder Deli coming before the commission and asking and, you know, them saying, oh, that's a county thing. We can't do anything about it. And I took the initiative to do something about it, regardless of that. And so they got a crosswalk and I told them how powerful they are because this church has been here for over a hundred years. And it started for this pastor taking the initiative to come downtown to provide safety to her congregation. And um, that's what we all have to do. We have to raise our voice. If we want to see something different, we have to raise our voice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's what she did. And I picked it up and 
push forward to make sure it happened. And I told them that they are, you know, blessed. They are powerful because they saw a problem and they identified the problem. And I helped them and Sarah Anna be part of the solution for that. So, you know, great little things like that. And they couldn't believe it. The commission, when I told them that, they said, you did that in five months. We've been trying to get a crosswalk somewhere, I think on the island for years. And they keep giving us this and that. And I was like, well... They need to be heard and the people need to be heard. And the West Side has been um, the redheaded stepchild for a long time. Oh, a long time. That a like long right. time. Absolutely. And so um, that's why I was for the Browdies Project. That's why I was really glad to see my fellow commissioners step up to purchase that property on Florida Avenue, mm -hmm. that ECO yeah. Park. Yeah. So there was a couple of victories that were won um, last night. Um I know that the residents probably feel like they were overlooked, but they, they're going to win too because we're going to get the lighting. We're going to make their neighborhoods safer. This person can go around to the establishments and, and channel whether the music is too loud. So they'll be able to have peaceful nights at home. Um, again, lights prevent theft. Um, people are not going to do something if they can be seen. Right. We're right. going to hire more police. Um, we've already budgeted for that. That can patrol those neighborhoods and those cars that people had concerns for. So I think everybody won last night. Yeah, They might not realize it because the vote didn't go where they wanted it to. And I guess because they've been hearing about it for years and it didn't get passed. Um well, you know, again, it's still they, growth in the situation, just like what you said. I mean, yes. the lighting, the trash. I mean, the, a lot of things are going to be. And yeah. then um, we have city bathrooms that we just have to open, and the code enforcement person can close them at a later time because yeah. we have somebody that's working. Because right now, um, the bath bathrooms, there's some nice bathrooms at the Casa, Casa del Gago mm -hmm. mm. that can be open later um, and the code enforcement person can close them. Now, right now, the way we have it set up is Sangria closes them. The little place upstairs, yeah, yeah. they yeah, close okay. them when they close. And mm. so those bathrooms are closed. Um, they won't have to clean them, but they can close them like at three, uh, at two o'clock that way, yeah. two thirty when everybody should be gone from the downtown corridor. Mm -hmm. And then there is a restroom with a lot of multiple bathrooms that right. they can utilize. So I think that the city is moving. It's going to take a while to adapt to everybody, me and Jim being new. Um, but I think we bring a fresh perspective to the city. I think we um, analyze data and I analyze people um, and their perceptions. Um, there's no good guys or bad guys. There's just everybody coming together for the common good. And um, some experience is good and some experience um, is outdated. And whatever it is, I think that we are learning each other. Um, I respect my fellow commissioners and their stance on things. But I think at the end of this, they all came, we all came together as a commission and said, this doesn't need to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was, I think it was a, as you expressed, it was kind of a big win for everybody. And, and everybody's going to realize that soon. I think it's a big win for everybody to have somebody like you on the commission who is compassionate, um, who cares about getting it right, who cares about people, um, because uh, that can be lost when, when you're a politician and you're a politician for so long, it's just like, Hey, uh, what do we have to do to win? What do I have to do to win as a politician? Mm -hmm. And I think you and commissioner Springfield, um, and, and plenty of other folks in local government, uh, bring that compassion to the table. And I think that's so important. How, how can we help people? How can yes. we help people? I think yes. we, I think we all win with, with somebody like you. Uh, on that board, Cynthia Garris, it's, it's been such a, a pleasure Gosh, um, taking a real deep dive into where you came from and how you got to where you are today. Um, I, 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 I know so many people are just going to be blown away yes. uh, by this interview. And, and geez, we appreciate you taking so much time here with us this afternoon to catch us up to Thank speed. You. It's been a delight. You guys are amazing. I see you guys out there in the community. And I told you when you were out there um, doing the neighborhoods, doing the storm so people wouldn't have to go out. Mm -hmm. And I just watched in that van. I was like, I was praying for you. I was <laughs> oh, praying for you on the bridge. 
prayers behind me that day. Yes, I really you. am. Yes. <laughs> Commissioner Garris, thank you thank so you. much. Um, we appreciate you so much. And uh, you're always welcome in here. If there's any ever any messages you want to make sure people are clear on, if there's anything uh, we can do to help you guys out, please let me know. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you again. True blessing to our community. Thank you. Wow, man. Powerful. Wasn't yeah. that an amazing story? Yeah, Absolutely. Man. Jeez, I feel Faith so inspired. Yes. Jeez. Absolutely. Go after it. Manifest the greatness and just make it happen. And don't Jeez, waste time. No, don't waste time. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Well, I got to tell you, um, I think we will probably give a shout out to our sponsors. Real quick. Yeah, make sure. sure everybody knows uh, who brought us this amazing conversation here today. Cool. Uh, and then we will probably uh, we will probably take off. Awesome. Uh, do got to give a shout out to our friends at Old Town Trolley. Of course, uh, Bin 39. Uh, our friends at Panache, the Bailey Group. And uh, who else? We got the United Way. Yay! Yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you guys uh, so much for helping us bring these programs to folks each and every day and powerful programs like this yes. one. Uh, we're really trying to make a difference in our community along with folks like Commissioner Cynthia Garris. So thank you all so much. Thank you to everybody uh, watching today. We had a great time. We Absolutely. hope you did as well. And uh, we're going to talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, everybody.